0: This is just the kind of um, somber song for the weightier topic that I want to get into today. Um, It is an esoteric suicide story coming from, let me make sure this is it, I would hate to misidentify this country, Switzerland, but I'll leave that for the end of today's podcast and welcome to it it's tuesday december 7th no alex today a couple of guest previews for um, the rest of the week tomorrow the exuberant the charismatic the magnetic uh, diana Patton will be on to talk about her rise program she is always so energetic and filled with so much joy and sunshine it's great to have her on and in tomorrow. Then Jen McCullough, whose name I saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, in The Blade. And I should give you, I should give you a blade thing as vaguely as I can. Because you know I talk so much about the blade because of how much great content I get from there. I am I am an evangelist for the blade and most of their digital properties, specifically the blade news slide. Uh, but Jen McCullough, the mindfulness deck, I believe she, she does yoga, teaches some mindfulness. She has a mindfulness deck of cards. You draw a card, you make yourself feel a little bit better, hopefully, um, from what she's got. So Jen will be in on Thursday. Welcome to the podcast. For I, I don't typically bring a ton of on-air stuff, I like promotions and giveaways here on the podcast, but she is... She is a nuclear artist. I've seen some pictures the last couple of days. The clearest picture ever somebody snapped of the sun, hot and bright. Um, that describes Olivia Rodrigo. We have tickets on the on air show every day between five and five thirty on Q one hundred five. We're doing some fun things with her song, with one of her songs that is buried into our brains. So I am excited to give you that. And last night um, we brought back my very favorite radio station my cute my favorite Q one hundred five. Event that we do uh, We hop in the kitchen at DeRocher's Which has some Very high quality Very expensive expensive kitchen setups But they are like my dream kitchens I don't need all that For just me um, But they are some incredible kitchens If you're looking for high level Quality stuff I do suggest that you go there Last night I learned a little bit about clear ice Fascinating stuff And it did taste differently. I never knew there was so much difference with ice. Uh, But I met Audrey. Audrey last night, uh, and we won. We usually do cooking at DeRocher's. People submit recipes for whatever we've got going on. Summer food, spring food. This time it was holiday cookies, so we were baking last night. And I met Audrey, who uh, knows some of my friends at at NAMI. She works at the Anderson's and does a lot of community outreach. And I guess uh, she has won some area baking competitions before. And to be quite honest, the cookies she made, um, buttery thumb cookies with homemade Christmas jam, we did not have the best presentation, and they did taste very good. I thought we would come in no better than third place, and I was on, for all my bragging, because I've won this before, and finished I've never finished worse than in second place. So I I have a good track record with these things, um... I was, st- I was, my jaw, my jaw did drop when we were announced as the winner because I thought we were going to come in no better than third place. Um, I thought for sure it was like an oatmeal toffee almond cookie, smelled the best. Uh, the XKR crew with Pike, they had a snowflake cookie and their presentation was like straight out of Santa's workshop. But we won. Audrey won. So those pictures are up on social. It's my favorite contest that we do because I always come out. Um, It's always fun. I'm fine with socializing as long as there's not 100 people there. This is a nice small event and we're in our each individual kitchens and I've met some really cool people Um, every time I've done this event. I've stayed in touch with, I think, everybody who I have coupled up with or paired with in these competitions. Um, Toledo to Columbus, it looks like the city is researching some kind of rail line. I've only been to Columbus from here a couple of different times. And I didn't drive. But from what I recall, it's not convenient. Like It's not like 75 straight down, get off, and you're there. Um, Both getting there and then coming back, driving through some rural towns and rural roads. Help me out here. The drive to Columbus does not, at least what I've done, is is not friendly. Um, Also traveling away from Toledo. I'd like to do this right now. Um, And lately, some people have prodded me that I really do need to take a vacation. My last real vacation was when I went to Mexico by myself six years ago, right around this time. Four years ago was when the last time I really went anywhere and I was home in Philadelphia visiting family and dogs, et cetera, et cetera, four years ago. Since then, I haven't gone anywhere. Uh, But now, the Eugene F. Krantz Toledo Express Airport in March will be offering nonstop to Arizona. Mesa? Now, I know when you go to Arizona, you probably want to go to Tucson or Phoenix. Um, Mesa has to be pretty close to those. When I think of Mesa, I close my eyes and think of large, scenic, southwest mountains and backdrops. And you know what? I'll take that. And uh, as I guess with most travel in and out of Toledo, pretty inexpensive. I think I read fifty nine dollars, even if that's just one way. That's a good deal, but that comes in March. Um, some Michigan things to get to. I see something with the governor giving Michigan drivers five million, five billion dollars back. Let me pull the story up here um, for insurance. Three billion dollars in refunds for Michigan drivers. There's a lot of words in there I don't quite understand and agencies I'm unfamiliar with. But I see Michigan drivers, insurance, three billion dollars in refunds, and let me tell you, you deserve it. I, I, when I've been up in Detroit in the last few years, I know there have been some billboards to change some of the laws. It's something with no fault, right? Um, I've lived in Michigan, obviously, from from '99 to 02. And then back in like four and five and then in, in six as well when I was in Monroe. So I'm very familiar um, with how expensive Michigan car insurance is. Um, I think when I moved back, to, moved back to Detroit in January of 2012, I think for my Mazda CX-7, I think I had, it was somewhere in the area of seven, eight, nine hundred dollars 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 for six months. Ever since I've driven, uh, my dad had always pounded it in my head, and I was fortunate to save up for it. I, I kind of allocate the money as I get, like I'll have to do new car insurance in January or so. I always pay six months out so I can pay for it and forget about it. Plus, you save a couple of bucks. But it was nearly like two grand a year for insurance in Michigan. I get to Ohio and same vehicle that Mazda. They're like, uh, like two seventy eight. I'm, I'm sorry, what for for one month? No, sir, that's for six months. I'm sorry, two... So, uh, we have great savings here in car insurance as opposed to Michigan. Now, does it even out in other ways, in other costs of life? Maybe, but I don't look forward to paying my car insurance every six months. But then I think about how much our neighbors in Michigan have to pay. And I think it's even a little bit more expensive... In Pennsylvania as well. So we have quite a deal when it comes to car insurance. Um, other couple Michigan things. Or, or just one more actually. There's one more Ohio State versus Michigan showdown. Of course, we've talked about the football games the last couple of weeks. But this is not a team showdown. It's a bit of an individual showdown. Uh The Heisman finalists were announced last night. Now, neither C.J. Stroud... That's the Ohio State quarterback, right? I got his name right. Uh, C.J. Stroud and uh, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, their star defensive lineman, maybe one of the best defensive players in the history of the program. I know at worst he will be a top five pick in the NFL draft, and he could be in the running for two, number one, depending on how things play out. Uh, But those two are finalists for the Heisman, the best college football player of the season, along with uh, Alabama's quarterback, Bryce Young, and I think it's Pitt's quarterback, Ryan Pickett. Um, It's quite an honor for Aiden Hutchinson to even be invited to New York for the final ceremony because rarely ever does this happen. Of course, you might remember back, was it 24 years ago? Didn't Charles Woodson win the Heisman same year, I think Michigan might have tied for the national championship. But this has become predominantly a quarterback award um, in recent times because the game of football, um, it skews towards the passing game and quarterbacks. You, you can't hit quarterbacks as hard as you used to if you're a defensive player. Um, it's a lot easier to complete passes for quarterbacks to wide receivers because everything skews towards offense and, and explosive scoring. But I think there's been, I think the uh, last Heisman winner was a wide receiver, Devontae Smith from Alabama. So it, it definitely heavily leans towards offensive players. And I think Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, he may be a freshman, is the favorite. But we can still go OSU versus UM, Wolverines versus Buckeye, or Wolverine versus Buckeye one last time. Because even though the two players are not the favorites, They might even finish third and fourth. It is ranked. So it'll be first place, second place, third place, fourth place. So we'll see if yet one more time, of course, beating Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, topping the Big Ten and winning the Big Ten championship. So there's two wins over Ohio State. We'll see if if the Wolverines can do one more with an individual honor with Aiden Hutchinson finishing higher than Ohio State's quarterback. All right, sports nerd stuff real fast, and then I'll go to the serious, esoteric, Suicide topic. Um, I read an article on a sports website, a sports, pop culture, and life website, but it started mostly as sports. I don't read it as much anymore. They don't have as many articles, but they have a lot more podcasts, and they've had a lot of turnover in recent years with writers who I've enjoyed going to other websites. So I don't read it as much, but I still go to it every day. The Ringer. They had a writer over the weekend, I think Saturday night into Sunday, writing an article about the BCS which was the predecessor to the college football playoff. Before the BCS, uh, there were polls where voters voted. I think it was the AP and then the USA Today coaches poll. That's why sometimes there were split national champions in college football. I think when I was a kid, a little boy, I think I remember there was a split championship between Colorado and Nebraska. or It was Colorado, Nebraska, Miami, and Notre Dame. Not all four split it, but like two did. And it was very, it was very bizarre to me. And that's when I realized that, oh, okay, there's two different polls, so you can have two different champions. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We're now in the college football playoff era where there is, I believe, 13 esteemed, knowledgeable, prestigious individuals. Um, they are not above reproach, at least compared to what I'm going to get to. But they are quite knowledgeable, and they are highly thought of people who follow the game closely. And it's hard to question their votes individually. But I guess when they all come together, there will always be problems. There's... We did two... Well, what was the PCS? No, the playoff has always been four teams. And these human beings... And therein lies the problem... Vote on these four teams, and now we have Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. But again, before the college football playoff, which so many people had wanted for the longest time, I did not. In between the polls and the playoff was the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series, I think it was. Um, it was a combination of lots of computer rankings and numbers, and it spit out with the computer and the algorithms, thought what it decided were the best teams, and I had no problem with it. Um, I ten years ago I used to say you can argue with a human being because a human being is biased, emotional, flawed, and susceptible to all other kinds of things that can color humans' judgment. And my analogy back then was: remember when we used to we used to have problems with blue screens? Like, you were screwed. You could not argue with your computer. You just had to find a way to deal with it. Reset the hard drive, get a new computer. There was no arguing because there was no flaws there. I mean, the flaw was you got a blue screen, but you could not argue with the numbers and the computer. That's why I was always for the cold, ruthless objectivity of letting computers decide who played in the BCS, especially because... There's a hundred some teams, and it's incredibly hard to decide whether or not, even as close to, as the records are between Michigan and Alabama, they played completely disparate schedules, um, and it is really hard for a human being to go. Oh, Alabama is definitely better than at this point right now. I don't know that Alabama's. A, I think Alabama's a better team than Michigan, but I don't know. I think Alabama is a better team based on who they have beaten and who they have played on their schedule as opposed to Michigan, but I don't know. I'd rather take some numbers, take some schedules and some points and opponents, plug it into a computer, and let a completely objective and unbiased computer decide that. And that's what the BCS did. It was cold, ruthless, it was a blue screen, and it was incredible to argue with it. People did, and you could argue and pick the nits of the human beings, picking the numbers like from the polls and whatnot that went into the computer program. Sure, you could have an issue with that, but just let just let the computers do all the work, especially when things are so distant and disparate and almost foreign from one another because of how many teams there are. Um, we're more accepting of this and professional sports because there's a quarter of the teams as there are in um, college football. There's 30-some teams in each league, and generally speaking, most professional teams are within a touchdown of one another, within a couple of runs, within a goal, within 10 points, 5 points, uh, an NBA game. And they play really long seasons over the course of 162 baseball games. I think we can fairly accurately go, okay, the Dodgers were a really good baseball team and the Dodgers were clearly a better team than the Astros. But in American sports, we let teams get healthy and hot and they streak through the playoffs and we crown them our champions. Uh, even though this year, the team with the most wins over the course of 162 games in baseball did not win the World Series because they lost a series Um, In five games They had to win three They didn't So their 108 wins Was for naught Um, I do like Over the course of a long season Letting that team be the champion Now there's other things that go into that Maybe that team can afford the best players But that doesn't always work out But I'm all for Letting computers um, Decide Particular things like this Even outside of sports So that's a kind of a different opinion. I was truly a tiny fractional minority when it came to wanting the computers and the BCS in place and not wanting the playoff picked by flawed people. So I remember when I was a kid, there was Dr. Kevorkian. He was a Michigan guy, right? And I guess this should have been some some emotional and mental health red flags, but we didn't have that kind of discourse whenever he was in in the mid-90s or whatever. Um... And I don't know every detail of Dr. Kevorkian. Is he in jail? He's he died, right? I, I again I I'm, I'm missing some details. I know he he allowed people, he helped people with suicide. And I'm gonna guess that these people had some type of fatal condition, a terminal condition, and they just wanted to end the suffering. And even then when I was a kid, a teenager, so I was probably 13, 14, 15 when Kevorkian was doing this, I understood it. I understood wanting to end that suffering. Um, I didn't quite grasp back then because I didn't think about this. Um, People's brains being broken, like mine has often been. It's depressed, you want to die. You want to go to bed and not wake up. Um, Now we know that we can help those people. But when there's something terminal as long as and this is like the only asterisk as long as you are of sound mind especially if you're a person who like me one day could be alone in life without much family alive you should be allowed to make that decision now if you have a cadre of family members who are opposed to this you either have to convince them that my suffering, this terminal condition, is too much. I cannot live like this anymore. I don't want you to see me withering away. I watched my mom in her final days wither away at home hospice. Um, I watched and heard from my dad about my grandfather. He was 97 years old, and I could hear from my dad's uh, my dad's comments about him. And even when I was home, certain times, my grandfather wanted to die. He did no longer, He did not want to be alive any longer. My Grammy had passed away in 08, and this was 2016, 2017. So he had been seven, eight years without his partner for a long, long time. My grandfather lived a long, I think, wonderful life, but I am very certain towards the end of it, he no longer wanted to wake up every day. And when my dad told me that he passed... I did feel some peace for him because I knew that he didn't want to be alive any longer. I think my dad had resigned himself to that as well. So that's why even dating back to when I was a kid and I didn't know any better and I didn't fully grasp the severity of life and death and dying and being in all kinds of emotional or physical pain, I supported assisted suicide. So when this article from The Daily Beast popped up a couple of places yesterday, Switzerland approves assisted suicide capsule It resonated with me. It is a 3D-printed, portable, coffin-like capsule with windows that can be transported to a tranquil place for a person's final moments. Uh, We want to remove any kind of psychiatric review from the process and allow the the individual to control the method themselves. Our aim is to develop an artificial intelligence screening system to establish the person's mental capacity. Naturally, there's a lot of skepticism, especially on the part of psychiatrists. Um, It can be activated from the inside and give the person intending to die various options for where they want to be their final moments. So kind of like artificial reality or virtual reality. It's like, okay, we've all agreed that I want to die. I want to die in the beach. Let me die in Aruba. No, wait, let me die in the bedroom of my childhood home. Kind of fascinating. Uh, but, But I said a person will likely feel disoriented or euphoric. The whole thing takes about 30 seconds. Death takes place through hypoxia, hypocapnia, Oxygen and carbon dioxide deprivation. There's no panic, no choking. It's peaceful. In 2020, around 1,300 people died by assisted suicide in Switzerland. Almost all by ingesting liquid sodium pentobarbital, which puts a patient into a deep coma before killing them. Assisted suicide is also legal in the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, Luxembourg, and Canada. I'm fairly certain in the wake of Dr. Kevorkian, people did go to Canada often. And... Suicide is a close, I don't want to say companion in my life, but as I walk the journey of life, suicide lurks in the shadows that I walk in or that I walk with. Not too close, but I know that they're there. And like I've said, um, like I've said on the podcast, like I I told my new therapist, I am here so that when I'm 60-something and life is drastically different when it is now and I don't have my dad anymore and my brother's side of the family lives far away and maybe I'm not working anymore and the boredom and the lifelessness of that boredom gets to me and I might be physically healthy but I might never achieve have achieved that, that emotional and psychological awakening and enlightening enlighten that I chase all the time and like my dad says an empty, an empty mind is the devil's playground. And maybe at that point, when I'm sixty-some years old, and I don't have my dad anymore, and I haven't been able to cre- uh, gather other cornerstones in my life, because Alex will be married and have a family, and again, not working, which takes up a third of our day. Um, this would probably be a very serious thought of mine. And as I just went down the list, there are not that many close people who could form a line and go, Eric, don't do it. There's a lot. There's plenty. I know that I impact positively a lot of people right now, and I don't want them to feel like I do. And in the same way that they envy how I've been able to manage my mental health issues, I envy that you have more emotional and physical tent poles and cornerstones in your life. I just don't have many of them. So that's why I'm working with my therapist. So that when I'm 68, I don't seek something like this out. Because I feel like I'm doomed, slight pun intended, to live a very, very long life. I have great, as I mentioned, my grandfather was 97. My dad's in pretty darn good shape. My grandmother, my mom's mom, who smoked forever and I think died of lung cancer, it made it well into her 80s. We have great genes in my family with the exception of my mom who succumbed to um, met, met, metastatic lung cancer when she was 63. She died in 2015, about 65, 66, somewhere in, in that age. Um, I don't want to die, but I've been there with people who can, I, I understand and sympathize and empathize uh, with people who are of sound mind and say, there's nothing here for me anymore. I'd like to go. The pain that you might cause them by making them stay can do more damage than the pain that they're already in. And one final thought on this if you are someone, and I know this is a similar phrase and generally speaking the same, but we're talking about two kinds, two different kinds of death, um, where you're at the beginning of life and at the end of life. But if you are. And, and you're thinking Eric this is even too much for me to, to, to comprehend I don't want you to ever consider killing yourself Or getting one of these pods or, or anything I don't want to think about that People need to live out their life to its entirety Well Maybe the mind goes before the body does And I'm not talking about any kind of Parkinson's Or dementia or anything like that Maybe the, the emotional and psychological will To enjoy anything Earthly or corporeal anymore Is gone But if you're going to support women and others, when it comes to my body, my choice, how is this any different? Thanks for listening to the podcast as always.